Well, hello, everyone. This is Jessica. And this is Caitlin. And this is the Calling All Spirits podcast. How are you this morning, Caitlin? I'm a little on the stressed side. Uh, this is this is a very early recording for us because we both have very busy weekends. But my realtor he texted us at like 730 in the morning saying that we had a contract ready to sign so that we could put an offer in on a house. And so we were a little delayed with the recording. But it's uh, it's nervous and exciting and nervous and that I mentioned nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy for y'all, though. This it's very exciting. It is. I'm also really excited that the house is in a different part of this neighborhood. So I have like literally nothing to adapt to other than a new house layout. <laughs> That's awesome. And you have great trick or treaters and Halloween in this neighborhood, which you always love. I do. Not going to lie. <laughs> When we saw the front porch, Joey was like, and because it's very open and like uh-huh. set, he said, cool, you can have it all set up for the trick-or-treaters. And Aww. I was, I'm super excited about that part. And I was sharing with the realtor because I work with him too. I was like, yeah, you have no idea. This neighborhood is bumping every Halloween. It's fantastic. So no, yes, same trick-or-treaters. I'm not thrilled that my commute is not getting shorter because mm. my commute is getting from bad to worse with all the building that's happening on 290. Aww. It is... It is very nice. Everything else. I like the space. I like the area. And I know I can walk the dog late at night in the summer because like that's when the kids come out to play basketball in the park is after the sun goes down in June. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Very exciting. So fingers crossed everything goes well and everything's fine. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So by the next podcast, we may have an update. (gasps) Hopefully. Yes. Well, at least know if we're still (laughs) moving forward because we still have to do the inspection and all that jazz. Yeah. But like... Hopefully it all stays positive news and you all get to listen to me be excited, nervous instead of stressed and disappointed. Oh, fingers, toes, everything crossed. Absolutely. How are you doing? I am good. Um, Yeah, it is going to be a busy weekend. Um, So this afternoon I am, so I'm taking, not a shocker, I'm taking mediumship classes. <laughs> No way! But really? I, I know. But this is local um, with this amazing center. It's called Intuitive Insight Center. For my class, today we are doing a dim. So for people that don't know, that's when you get up and do mediumship in front of a big group rather just than in a one-on-one sitting. And so we're doing a practice dim today. And we, they thought it'd be like 10. Well, we, when she first told us about this, it's like 10 maybe 15 people. Now it's grown to nearly 30 people. Ooh. Yeah. So being up on platform, it's, yeah, I, I'm nervous. I'm not going to pretend like I am not scared to death. I've done this once before, but it's been a long time ago. So I mean, it could be worse. You're at least good with public speaking. It's the demonstration (laughs) of your skill you're nervous about. (laughs) Exactly. Going from practicing a lot one-on-one in front now, but at least it's a practice one. The people that, that are coming know it's practicing, it's working on us, getting ready to go in front of groups. So at least these people like haven't paid money to come to this. And like True. I'm you know, so um we I guess I will have an update as at the next podcast of how that went. But like as we're sitting here talking about it, <laughs> I can feel like my insides like churning and like ah I mean it's it's scary. Not a I I found and you know this, a lot of mediums, I mean, some do both, but a lot do like one-on-ones and so, like, it's scary doing platform mediumship in front of a group of people. Yeah. You're literally performing. Like. <laughs> you are. Which 
is what they did way back when. It was mainly platform, except for we will not be using spirit cabinets. <laughs> we will not have the lights turned off. It'll be in broad daylight, just us up there all by ourselves. <laughs> Woohoo! No ectoplasm! No ectoplasm. <laughs> no tricks of the seance will be used. <laughs> Yes, no cold. Well, you you couldn't prove whether or not there were cold readings or not, and you were just like making really good guesses on people. But none of the obvious physical manifestation trickery, for sure. No, part of me actually wishes I was good at cold readings because I'm not. So it's all pretty well. And and, and the, yeah, no, I couldn't do a cold reading if I wanted to do a cold reading. Plus, our amazing teacher. She is so good that, like, yeah, you could be like your grandma, and but she's going to want specific details just to that grandma. So even if you could start off with a cold reading, you'd get shot down pretty quick because it's like, because it's like, okay, then what's her name? Oh. Yeah, that is true. She is very skillful. So she's yeah. so good. She's so good. So yeah, even if anybody wanted to try that, it would fail. And crash and burn pretty quickly. So, yeah. but not none of them do. They're all amazing. The girl, the ladies I'm with are all incredible mediums. So, it it, it should be good. Uh, an afternoon with spirit. So, I finally have something that's like on topic with what we're talking about. True. I know you'll be phenomenal. We know that, and by we, I mean I think we've shared this with all of our <laughs> listeners over time. Um, you have the same kind of. Not problem, more challenge. You have the same challenge I do, and that many of us have, of trusting yourself. Yes. That is the hardest part of mediumship. Oh, my gosh. Just trusting what you're getting. It's, I, now, what are your signs again, Kate? Wait, because I know when wait, you're Sag. I know that. You're Sagittarius. What are your other ones? Are you Aries, Earth? Ascendant, Virgo, Moon. Virgo. Okay, because I knew we had one in common. Like, mm -hmm. I knew we had, and it's Virgo, because I'm Virgo rising. I know. I swear those earth signs get in there, and they get in our brain, and like, I don't know. It's like my conscious brain is always questioning everything I get. It's like, just shut up. I'm pretty sure that's where some of my perfectionism comes into. Oh, yeah. No, that and Virgo. Being, that and having ADHD where I want to be perfect before I even start, which is not functional. Yes. So then nothing happens. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's why I wanted to know your signs because I'm like, we have one in common. Yeah, like, we I do. know. Yeah. Virgo. Damn, Virgo. Just borrow some of my Aries headstrongness. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's what I need. See, I've got Taurus and Virgo. So I'm like, and then a lot of like earth signs down the line. So I'm like, dang it. Why couldn't nah. I have gotten some like Pisces or Aquarius or some of those? I didn't get any of that. Now, borrow like, some of my bull in a china shop mentality because <laughs> you've seen that at work. Yes. And yes, then just no. know that you can talk your way out of it if it becomes a problem where either you <laughs> apologize because you weren't right or uh -huh. you were right and you used the wrong words to describe it because the person was triggered by your verbiage. So, like, <laughs> know that that's all in play and you know what you're doing and yeah. you'll be fine. No, it'll be fine. I had some practices this week that went really well. One girl was like, are you charging for this yet? I'm like, no, I don't think I'm ready. She's like, you should really charge for this now. And I'm like, okay, thanks. I guess she's like, that was good. I was like, okay, good. Good. And in my head, I'm like, I know. We're always hardest on ourselves, though. Oh, like, absolutely. A friend of mine keeps like, she's keeping a running tally of what she thinks she owes me. And I'm like, buy me a coffee. It's fine. Exactly. And she's like, no, no, you're at like $200 now. I'm like, it's, <laughs> I don't deserve money for this. What are you talking about? 
I know. I know. It's hard. Like, it's hard to, like, feel like you're ready to charge. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. But at least it's on topic. (laughs) So, well, I'm excited about this week's podcast. I I mean, because we've talked about him. He was on our list first season, and we just couldn't get to him in time. So I'm really glad we're finally talking about him. Me too, because like spirit photography was such a huge part of the movement that isn't talked about very much. It's kind of like in the the national religious and women's movements of the Victorian period, spiritualism gets ignored. And then within spiritualism, spirit photography gets ignored. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the niche of niches for stuff that should be talked about. Like we know that most of them were proven fake. Like that's fine. But we still have to talk about it because it was important to the movement. (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of my theory um, about since most of them were proven frauds, if they're like, we're just going to ignore and pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's not how you deal with fraudulent behavior. You you point yeah. it out so that people have a better way of avoiding it next time. That's why we were talking about the frauds of the seance was like, yes, we were pretty strong in the camp of this stuff is real. But we also admit and point out the fraudulent stuff because yes. we don't like being hoodwinked any more than anyone else does. No, and they bring our names down with them. It's like, dude, like right? rude. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> should we get on in since we've already kind of like spoiler alert, <laughs> right? Well, we spoiler alerted last episode by telling That's everyone true. in advance because we did it in the after show and then we released the after show for everyone. Oh, yeah. we hope that everybody enjoyed it and they're all running to Patreon. Yes. Yeah, oh, actually, absolutely. speaking of Patreon, we do have a new subscriber. It is my mother, and I love her, but we do have a new one. So thanks for joining, Mom. Yes, thank you. But yes, we've already spoiled from the get-to-go. Today we are talking about Mumler and spirit photography in the spiritualism movement. And today's topic basically begins with a hobby and a crush. Ooh. (laughs) Because he was a hobbyist when he got started. But before we get into his details to backtrack and build that stage before we put on the show, like we usually do, we'll start with a quick refresher on the Victorian art of mourning. Mm. Now we went into more detail in our art of the seance episode last season, but to refresh everyone, there was a direct tie between material items and grieving Mm -hmm. items like jewelry and decorations made from the hair of loved ones, postmortem photography, like Postmodern photography especially seems a little bit maudlin or morbid, but considering this was a time before we could have thousands of pictures of people like we do today, like before the development of photography, if you couldn't afford to have a painting done, obviously, then as soon as you were buried, your memory would begin to fade for your loved ones. And then once photography came into play, it was still pretty expensive and not available to everyone, but it was an opportunity to have a picture to remember you after you died. So, like, if you had the money to get it done but didn't get a chance before someone passed, that's kind of where the postmortem photography came in because you could just simply pose the person's body after they died and sometimes surrounded by family, take the family photo. Mm-hmm. Now, spiritual spiritual photography comes in when you don't manage to get the photo done before the burial or if the person who died passed before the development of photography. We already know that when photography appeared on the scenes in the 1860s, the U.S. was dealing with the grief brought on by the mass casualties of the American Civil War. And deep in mourning, people were drawn to anyone who offered even a fleeting connection to the souls of their dearly departed. Mediums, both fraudulent and authentically trying to help people, we've already ranted about that a little bit today, (laughs) (laughs) would be performing seances, obviously. Again, the topic of our entire podcast, where you could, as a living person, speak with somebody who had died. 
And then in 1861, to change the game a little bit, a silver engraver named William Mumler was working on his new hobby of photography. He was a friends, wink, wink, with a woman named Hannah who had a (laughs) photography shop a few blocks away from where he worked his day job. And he was practicing taking photos by setting the stage and then jumping into the shot in order to take his own picture. Kind of like when you set the timer on your phone to take the picture after you get into position Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to do a selfie because selfies are even harder when you have to be uh, like 10 feet away from the camera. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he was setting the stage and then he'd jump into the picture, let the still last. I think it was for 30 seconds for him at this point in time that you had to stand still for the picture and then, you know, jump back out of it to process the picture right and when he developed the picture in his dark room a second image appeared beside his own and when he asked a friend of his who was more experienced in photography what could have happened to cause this he was suggested that it basically it was most likely that the glass that mumler had used to develop the photo hadn't been cleaned thoroughly after its last round of picture taking and the second image was just a result of that residue oh however his other friend the woman who owned the shop and his crush in my opinion Uh, she was married at the time but like as far as we know nothing was happening at this point in time but he was very clearly interested in her her name was hannah like i already said and she was a working medium as well as a photographer and so Mm. she had a different opinion she insisted that mumler was capturing the photos of spirits oh fast forwarding a couple of years the now married couple because hannah's husband died in the civil war they were doing a steady business out of her shop Together, they were granting the wishes of the bereaved to see their lost sons or brothers or uncles one more time. If you were to visit Mumler's studio, though, you would be told there was no guarantee that someone would appear. Mumler didn't, quote, command the spirits because they would basically come and go as they pleased. Oh, that's interesting. I I thought it was more guaranteed. So that's new information to me. Yep. And he would also charge like $10 for a dozen pictures, which was like five times the going rate of photography at the time. Wow. And there's still no guarantee. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. New information. Right? And on top of that, if the photograph didn't come out the way you expected, like you have the ghost of an old woman instead of your lost brother, for Uh example, Mumler would help the client search their memory for other spirits that might have been eager to jump in on the shot. Wow. Huh. That's I interesting. Mean, solidly sus, not gonna lie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like to be fair, on one hand, part of the time you're like you're hoping you can get into contact with whoever just recently passed in your family. Right. Like, your uncle died last week and you want to talk to him. Sometimes grandma comes through instead. Like, yes, this is true. That is fair. But the fact that this was a known behavior for him, I'm like, um Okay. Yeah, and you can usually give enough clear evidence that they're like yeah that would be my grandma not you can't you know you remember her like you know you know someone that was older like providing no evidence just like think back who else would want to come in and say hi yeah exactly (laughs) goes back to asking all the questions rather than providing evidence precisely and then on top of that since photography was such a new invention in this period like mid-19th century is when we're getting to your types anyway Mm-hmm. It's not like you had other pictures to compare them to. Like you have this faint, blurry image of a ghost. Like, did your great aunt wear her hair in a bun? I don't know. Does it look like her? Sure. Oh. Like, she's been gone for 15 years. Your memory is fuzzy. You have nothing to compare it to. It's not hard to convince that this is her. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because they're just probably going off of pure memory. 
exactly. And the second someone's not in your life anymore, your memories start to shift and fade. Like, if I didn't see you for five or six years, even though you're still alive, I might right. be like, oh, yeah, that's what you look like when I see you in person. Right. Right. Exactly. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about this in a completely new way that I hadn't and about how, yeah, this may be the first photograph anybody's ever seen. So to us, they kind of look fake, but to them, they don't have anything to, to compare it to. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay. And they always look the same. Like, we'll share some examples on socials as well. But, like, if you had a picture of, the, the, let's say the classic picture that we have here in the U.S. that's been going since, like, the 70s of mom, dad, and kids all sitting in the photographer studio. Mm-hmm. The way a lot of the pictures look, it looks the same where like the kid is standing next to the person or the adult is standing behind the person sitting for the photo. Like Mm -hmm. it looks very staged to us. But if you put it in the context of what staged photographs look like Mm -hmm. in like, you know, if you go to your great aunt's house or your grandma's house, how they had the whole family picture and it looks very, very staged and awkward. That's how these were set up. And so like it kind of worked if you compared it to your neighbor's picture of their whole family, it it fits yes i mean to be fair we're not the only ones who thought this way his spirit photography definitely attracted skeptics like from the jump (laughs) especially since manipulating images was like a known part of the photographic art form it wasn't a point and shoot and look at lighting like kind of like the way professional photographers do now where they'll do editing later to lighten the picture so it's not as shadowy right you can definitely see it where if you see examples of before doctored and after doctored for like wedding pictures Mm -hmm. like the way it's very bright and very luminous is done post photo session yes so this is in the same vein like other photographers were openly experimenting with double exposures and superimposed negatives Two of the examples of what could be done to create the effect that Mumler Spirit Photography had. Mm. And in fact, at one point, uh, there was a photographer from Boston, because this was all happening in Boston, by the way. I didn't share that part. I'm sorry. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, during the spiritualism movement, everything happens in New York and Boston. And this one is part and parcel of that whole story. (laughs) There was a photographer who'd been like in the game for years by the name of J.W. Black. And he arrived at Mumler's studio to demand a demonstration. (laughs) He sat for the portrait and he carefully watched every step of the process, including the alchemy of the dark room. Uh And as is described in a book on the topic and basically black watched as his own dark line appeared in the glass. And then it looked a lot like the photograph that he'd taken of himself, sitting with his newspaper. But as it was developing, another shape began to come out and it took the shape of a ghostly form of a man standing behind his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And the question was, was this the great photographer, you know, was a Black's father who died back when Black was 13? Oh. Uh, he didn't stick around to try and figure it out. He offered to pay for the print, which apparently Mumler refused. He's not known to refuse money for people. Right. Like, there's a story I have in a little while about the spiritualism community where he demanded everyone pay in advance. So, like, I don't know why he refused payment on this one. Yeah. But Black walked back to his studio and uh, was still holding the photograph closely to him to make sure he kept it. So that so he was convinced then? Yeah, he was very convinced, it seems. That's really interesting. Huh. However, there were some other ones that were uh, a little harder to prove were not fake. There was one case where Mumler created a spirit photograph for a woman who had recently lost her brother in the Civil War, Mm -hmm. which became a little confusing when he came back alive. (gasps) 
Oh no. He, he was he was incorrectly reported dead and he was he was not. He came home and they were like, um, then who's in the picture? That's what I, I was about to say. How did Mumler spin that? Like I don't know. I didn't see the account of that one in detail. It was just like that was listed as one of the fraudulent right, cases. Right. Right. I would love to see how he handled that one. <laughs> interesting apparently the woman blamed it on an evil spirit trying to deceive her so she gave him an out she gave him an out what? Like, he didn't have an answer but like she was she was the one who was like it was just an evil spirit trying to get me so yeah sorry i forgot that i did have an answer to that part oh my god like he lucked out so much on that one uh he didn't look out quite as hard on the next one because uh Uh-oh. This one was harder to dodge. A man visiting Mumler's studio recognized the female ghost in the picture as his wife, who was not only still alive, but had recently gotten her portrait done in Mumler's studio. Oh, <gasps> oh, <laughs> that one you're you're done. I mean, did he have an excuse for that one? Like, could he play that one off? No, uh, that one I definitely don't have any details on how he did it because this is actually right around the time that things were getting a little uncomfortable for him in Boston. And so he uh, moved to New York in 1869. (laughs) Yeah, that's awkward. And this is where the spiritualism community kind of rises up against him. Oh. Because there was basically the idea of like, yes, it is fake, but you can't tell for sure how he's doing it in the moment. Right. So like how is it being falsified became their goal. Uh Uh-huh. There was a report in the New York Sun at the time. Mumler's work had come up at a meeting of the New York Spiritualist Conference, and there was a proposal at the, that a committee of their choosing should investigate, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where Mumler agreed that they could watch him work if they paid for their photographs in advance. Wait, what? And this apparently divided the community a little bit because part of the group was like, he's not meeting this attempted investigation in a good manner that like we would expect from somebody who has a great truth like this in his possession. Right. Exactly. And then there was another group that was like, this doesn't really prove or not prove the truth or falsification of spirit photography. Like this just means that he's demanding to be paid. I'm like, okay, fair. But I'm kind of with the first group where if you have a whole crew of people sitting and you're demanding they all pay in advance, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, especially like I'm thinking if someone was going to call you like a fraud or you may be a fraud. If you're, if you're legit, wouldn't you be trying to do anything you can to prove it or come look, come see what I'm doing? Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. He's like, well, you can, but you have to pay first. Like, I mean, conversely, if you have people who where if. If you're trying to prove me wrong, then you won't have to pay. Then people are going to lie about trying to prove him wrong when they really just want a spirit photograph. Yeah. But aren't they part of the spiritualist? Like, these aren't just random people coming to him. Exactly. You're part of an organization that's trying to prove whether you're real or fake. So, like. Yeah. Yeah. I I can kind of see where they were both sides of the argument. Maybe it was a supply fee or something like it'll pay for my supplies. Although if he's charging that $10 per dozen, that's still five times the going rate. So like maybe give a discount maybe. Yeah. At least give a discount. Be like, I have to cover my supplies at least. And, but no, that seems fishy to me. Yeah, for sure. Although apparently Mumler didn't seem to care. Um, He went to work winning over the local photography community. That blows my mind. Cause if anybody's going to catch him, as a fake, it would be them. Right? Like, they're the ones who know all the tricks of the trade. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, yeah, that that I don't get that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but apparently his downfall came in the form of the marshal of New York City named Joe Tooker. Oh. He had developed a complaint book of grievances. Basically, it's a list of complaints done by New York citizens where they could report infractions or derelictions of duty or just general whining. And <laughs> he enjoyed going through this listing. Like, he was that person who was like, who's going to be arrested this week? <laughs> Oh, my God. And the I mean, this would document everything from petty theft to attempted murder. Like, there was no wow. rhyme or reason to any of it other than it's a complaint and we think it's valid. Sir, please investigate. Mm -hmm. And so Mumler started appearing in the complaints. And it was basically one of those where this was a novel enough problem to get the mayor's attention. Oh, my gosh. However, for context... Many of the mayor's political opponents were spiritualists or spiritualist sympathizers, including Horace Greeley. Oh my, that man. He we always We still have to makes, do an episode on him for we sure. We have to, even if it's like a bonus or something, he always makes an appearance. Yep. We can't, if you're in New York in the spiritualism community, Horace Greeley's going to come up in your story. Yes, absolutely. Not shocking. Yeah. So like the mayor has his, the mayor's attention, but like he's also trying to take down his opponents who are in this sector. Right. So like right. mm -hmm. also kind of sus. Yes. He, he basically wanted to shut Mumler down in order to send a message to the spiritualist community that his reach and influence would even go into the next world. Cause like I can even stop the ghosts from coming in. Oh my God. It makes you wonder why did he hate them so much? Like what happened to him that he's like, I'm taking them down. I think it was just an opportunistic thing where, like, if he found out that they were all Presbyterian and he was Baptist, he'd use that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, did he get a bad reading? <laughs> like, right. Did, he, like, did something happen? <laughs> From the author of The Apparitionists, the vibe is very much it was an opportunistic thing of, like, cool, they all have this in common. I'm taking that down. But uh -huh. for all we know, yeah, he did have a bad reading. Like, he could have Houdini'd this where he started as a believer, was burned, and decided to make it his mission to destroy it. Yeah, it feels like there's like a personal vendetta against the spiritualist. Fair enough. Interesting. So he told the marshal to look into it. And uh, mm -hmm. using a fake name, Tooker went in. Now, his fake name may sound familiar to many of us. He went by the name of William Wallace. No. <laughs> what? Seriously. <laughs> wow. So apparently not only can you not take his picture, you can't take his freedom either. Um <laughs> But he went in passing himself off as a regular client. Uh, he did express skepticism to the man at the front desk and was assured that Mumler achieved fo spirit photography by supernatural means. Mm. Um, and he asked if there could be like a way to, re to request a specific spirit to come through because he mm -hmm. wanted a picture of his deceased father-in-law. Mm -hmm. At the end of the session, there was a faint outline of a man's face in the picture. And he said he doesn't know anyone who looks like the image. Mumler, true to form, was like, keep thinking about it. Come back the next day. Pick up your prints. And so he took this as evidence of fraud. And he took Mumler into custody as a threat to the public good. Oh, my gosh. It gets, moly. It gets better. During the trial, the judge asked if Tooker was sure the image wasn't his father-in-law. Because Tooker had never seen his father-in-law when he was alive. Okay, that's not even fair. Like Exactly. No. Like, I mean, this created more than a little bit of doubt in his case. Like, I mean, come on. Oh, my God. 
I thought it was okay. I have to admit, when you said father-in-law, I was like, that's a weird one to like pick. Like, why not? Maybe they were still living, but I would think your your mother or your own father or how is he going to play that? I don't actually know what he looks like, but I'm going to say he doesn't look like that. Yep. What? Okay, that's that's messed up. Talk like about that... sabotaging your own case. Like, that is yeah. terrible. This guy sounds like an idiot. I'm sorry. Honestly, he is a petty, vindictive little man, behavior-wise. Like, the apparitionist goes into a little bit of his, like, history. Yeah. He took great joy when he was a kid in being part of the censorship movement, where he, with a bunch of other schoolboys, were in the library blocking out sections of text that were seen as inappropriate for public consumption. So they like took it upon themselves. <laughs> uh, no, no, they were assigned oh. specific things, oh. but he enjoyed it thoroughly as a thirteen-year-old, blocking out entire sections of text yeah. because he likes being that person. So, like, petty and small-minded from the jump. Yeah, but yeah, your case is done. Exactly. Like he literally set himself up for failure on that one. Yeah. No, he's. An it idiot. is so dumb. So after this, like, abject failure of an yeah. argument, uh, the New York prosecutors called just like a parade of expert witnesses who offered at least nine ways Mumler could have used photographic trickery to produce these ghostly images. Uh-huh. And this is actually where the YouTube videos come in really strongly. Ooh. They demonstrate different ways of doing it. There's things like you put the camera on its... You, if you want to do it nowadays, you uh-huh. put your camera on like long exposure and then you light a match right in front of the lens because that creates a flare that looks kind of like an orb. Interesting. Exactly. And then keeping in mind that all of the pictures at this point in time were long exposure, you can do things like walking slowly through the frame and it gives the blurry outline of somebody passing through the area. Oh, okay. We may have to put this. Somebody did this with me Mm. for the museum for Halloween. We had a professional photographer and he wanted he was like, I want to try something. I guess it was probably a long exposure, but I slowly walked down the stairs and it looks like I'm translucent. Like, you can't see my feet. You can't see. Yes. Yes. Let's share that picture. Yeah, we'll have to share it. Another way of doing it was to have somebody like kind of come in or like as the person sitting, they come in behind and they're there for part of the fees and then they duck back out of sight again. And so it gives the illusion of somebody standing right behind you. That makes sense. And then, of course, there's the double exposure where it's just uh, the two glass lenses where one of them still has the residue from the last time you took the picture mm-hmm. and it kind of double imprints. But because there's extra space between the development and the glass, because you have like two layers of glass now, you come across right. as way more translucent. There's a really good demonstration in the lecture done by the George Eastman Museum that was done actually at the beginning of 2020. It was nice to like flash, well, not the beginning, but it was nice to flash back to the beginning of the pandemic where they were all explaining where we planned to do this in person, but thank you all for being with us remotely. (laughs) I'm like, oh God, the flashbacks, it's real. They actually have a whole demonstration on it. And the guy even demonstrates the sleight of hand that goes with being able to like, uh, subvertively add the second glass to it so that even if you're watching every step, you uh-huh. can still kind of put one over on the sitter. Oh, that would be really cool to see. Yeah. So I'm definitely sharing. We're going to have uh, our spirit guide share those in the show notes because yes. I don't want to just put them on socials and have a whole bunch of people miss out on them. Like those need to be watched by everybody. Yes. And then on top of all of the photographic experts, they mm-hmm. called on a certified expert on suckers, Mr. P.T. Barnum himself. Oh, no way. Oh, my gosh. Yep. 
And actually, as evidence, he commissioned a fake photograph of himself with the ghost of Abraham Lincoln to present as damning evidence. (gasps) Wow. Now, even with all of the evidence of how he could have faked the pictures, the jury was unconvinced because no one caught him in the act or proved with concrete evidence that he had actually used any of the methods. I'm sorry, I'm pausing. I'm thinking on that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but if he's never been caught, all you need is reasonable doubt. All you need is a little bit of doubt. So, okay, I could see them being like, but nobody ever caught him doing that. Yeah, no one could tell for sure which technique he used. No one had ever seen him doing it, despite the countless investigations. Mm -hmm. I mean, technically, it's all circumstantial. It's not even circumstantial. It's hypothesis. Like, this is what he could have done. Right. I mean, I can't really fault the jury. I can't be like, that's just dumb. Like, I I can see where there's doubt, especially back then when look at what all's going on in the spiritualist world. You have the cabinets and things flying. Like, they accepted a lot as being very real back then. Plus, we have, like, the development of science just moving at a rapid speed where things that were impossible 20 years ago are accepted scientific fact now. So, like, we don't know what the limits of photography are. No, that's a good point because they, I mean, most, some of them may have never even had a photograph taken at that point still. So, I mean, it'd be something with, like, computers that I know nothing about and they're saying, well, this is how it could have faked. It's like, well, I don't even know how that works. So. Exactly. Especially since jury, especially since, like, during jury selection now, they ask if you have knowledge of the topic and they don't let you, like, stay on for the trial if you know anything about it. Right. Right. Um, Exactly. So that, I'm not completely shocked. Neither am I, especially since like they had a really good argument. I forgot this part was moved in the wrong Um, part of my notes. Um, So this is also the time of the development of Morse code and the telegraph. mm -hmm. So they one of the defense compared it to Morse. And if there was he was sending the clicks and taps, you know, across the country to send a message. If there was a a deception, if there was a disruption of the code, is that fraud? So, like, because we don't know the limits of photography and we have all these other inventions, if the code gets disrupted, then it's not necessarily Morse's fault. It's faulty technology a little bit. It's not fraud. And what they're trying to prove is intentional fraud on behalf of Mumler. Right. All you need is a little doubt. Yep. So, like, how can we say that photography can't do this, too? Remember now. So, yeah. Exactly. No, that's not surprising to me. Yeah. So he was acquitted. Um, I thought he was known for being like the official fraud of the century when I got into this research. But yeah, no, he was acquitted. See, I'm, I'm with you. I knew he went to trial over it, but I, I guess I thought they found him guilty, too. Like, Same. Interesting. Yep. Why he moved to Boston after the trial? Like, that's literally where you left because things were getting a hot like, yeah. and uncomfortable for you. Why would you go back after your trial? Well, I could see it if you think I've been on trial, I was found not guilty, unless he kind of got like a pep in his step, like they tried to say mm-hmm. I was a fraud, but they couldn't say it. They couldn't prove it. So maybe. I mean, to be fair, he he did he did kind of ease away from spirit photography after uh-huh. he moved back to Boston. He actually refocused his efforts on the chemistry of photo development and oh. developed a technique called the Mumler process that allowed the first photographs to be printed in newsprint. Oh, so like he transformed journalism. But all we know him for is spirit spirit photography. photography. Yeah. Interesting. Now, before he hung up his hat, like, for good with spirit photography, Mm -hmm. he did have one 
very famous sitting uh, and the most famous picture of all of his, he welcomed none other than Mary Todd Lincoln into his Boston studio. Uh, This was in 1870, about five years after her husband's assassination. And despite the accusations of fraud against him and other spiritual mediums, the first lady was still deep in mourning and wanted to believe. So we have a picture of Mary Todd Lincoln showing her seated, seated, her seated, dressed all in black with her small hands kind of clasped in her lap. And then behind her is the tall, slender, bearded apparition of her fallen husband. And apparently it was the last photo taken of her in her life. Oh, interesting. Well, like full stop. And so her life doesn't go too well after that. So I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not going to get pictures taken of me after this. And apparently no one could convince her that the picture was fake and that it didn't mean that her husband Abraham was still by her side. Yeah. That's like one of those cases, like, just let her. Right. She's grieving. Just it's not like she's handing over a family fortune to keep talking to her husband necessarily to the same person over and over again. Like she paid a boatload for a picture and that picture brings her comfort. Yeah. Just just let her go with it. Wow. So But that would have been the easiest one. Absolutely. (laughs) Like (laughs) like there are so many pictures of him everywhere. There's no way for you not to be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. And some of the pictures at this time, like not just his, but in general, because this became a whole part of the movement. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like you look at them and they are clearly fake. And then you look at others and you're like, I can see why you'd think that, especially if you weren't like super familiar with how pictures look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is true. It it turns out he may not have been a fraud, even though he was kind of clearly a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hmm. I'm thinking... Has my opinion changed on mum? I still kind of think he's a fraud. <laughs> I can't believe. Like the first picture, full on accident. No question. Yeah. Like yeah. even all historians agree that the first one was probably an accident. Right. But yeah. No. Like it's. Oh, my God. Like y'all actually have to look at some of these pictures. They are terrible. <laughs> I mean, There's no other way to explain them. They don't look good. No, they don't. I, I think that what he, like what we talked about, the only thing he had going for him is most of these people probably had never seen a photograph of themselves or other people. So what do they have to base it off of? Exactly. But yeah, when we look at it today, it's so obvious. Oh my God, it is awful. And I just, it drives me crazy that like, and what maybe it drives me crazy because I know people like frauds do this today, but like go home and think about it. Go home and you'll remember who this is. It's like, what the heck? Like, we've had readings where you were helping me when I first got my new job. Um, mm-hmm. And you were like, yeah, there's someone who's basically trying to sabotage you. And I, at the time, I didn't realize how petty and um, low self-esteemed someone that I work with actually was at the time. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe there's a spirit that's going through something. No, uh-huh. it turns out in hindsight, it was very much a living person who was out to get me. <laughs> but I also trust you. And right. it was something that was very clearly pulled out of the blue, as far as I could tell. You weren't cold reading me. We were over no. the phone. Yeah, no, no. And so, like, in some cases, the sit with it and it'll make more sense later. Yeah. Absolutely. Most of the time, especially if they're like, no, no, this person came through, just like sit with it and imagine a oh. woman in her 60s who would want to talk to you. Like, it, no. Yeah, I can see more of that like with psychic work because sometimes you are kind of looking at the energy projection of where it's going. But for mediumship, no, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I know 
there are some cases that sometimes, yes, you remember something after the reading and you're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. But for the most part with mediumship, you better nail it while they're sitting there and they'll know who it is. I, 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 I had that just the other day when someone's like, well, you probably don't understand it now, but think back. And I'm like, it was about a great grandparent. I'm like, no. And they're like, I know it's a great grandparent, so you probably won't remember. It's like, no, actually, being a historian, I've done my genealogy. Like, yeah, no, I, I would remember that. <laughs> like, I would know that about them. <laughs> like, um, and this this was somebody completely different. But um, but yeah, I was like, no, I'm not going to give you that because I would know that. <laughs> like, yeah. There are some things we'll give a pass on because we're yeah. trying to work through, like, what you could mean or what right. can be coming through. But, like, yeah. no. <laughs> when, yeah, like, if everything else, like, if everything else has been spot on and there's just one portion, be like, okay, like, you've been spot on on everything else, that one. But, like, when nothing's hit at all and it's like, well, you may just don't, not know that about them. It's like, well, you haven't gotten anything, though. <laughs> Like right. nothing so far has been accurate, so I'm not gonna take that. <laughs> so far, you've said the grass is purple, the sky is <laughs> sparkly and filled with jelly beans, and my dog is secretly an octopus. Why would I believe you about my great grandparent? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. You got to give me more, and then I can be like, okay, that one thing I'm not sure, but everything else is spot on. <laughs> like everything yeah. else, I can take. But then I'll sit with it and I'll wonder, and and, yeah. and I'll go through, and I'll double check with mom and anybody else yeah. who may know. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like that's what Mumler did a lot of. Like, just go home, sit with it, think about it. Like, but you have given me no evidence so far. Especially with the picture where it's the guy's wife who's still alive and she literally took a picture in your shop. That kind of blows my mind. That means his records are not good. Like, your record keeping is nowhere. Well, also, think about it, Kate. Then how many people got a photograph with his wife in it that's like this well that's is- the thing is like it wasn't that he was sitting and he got a spirit photograph of his wife that showed up it was a picture that mumbler had up on display <gasps> oh which is a dumb move in my opinion yes like she literally came in to sit for you what what's gonna stop her from coming back if you did a good job she may want a second round of a regular photograph and then sees herself as a ghost in another picture like what kind of dumb are you yeah well, and that's what I'm thinking for, like, did he, re- like, say for her example, for her picture or any of them, did he, how many times did he reuse those? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, how many times did these people show up in other people's photographs? Because like you said, if it's someone you haven't met or someone you knew as a child, but you don't really remember, you may be like, yeah, that could possibly be them. Like... Like, I barely remember my great aunt Sophie. I went to her funeral when I was like 11. And right. like, I, if you you showed me a vaguely tall woman with white hair, I'd be like, sure. Right. Right. Well, and now we have the benefit of we have so many pictures of our loved ones in spirit. And back then they didn't. So like exactly. Said, yeah. I, I can see why the jury didn't convict him, but. I think he's fraud. <laughs> think he's yeah, like fraudulent. court of public opinion, definitely a fraud. Yeah. Why the jury didn't like, you know, hold him accountable for fraud. Yeah. I'm I'm with you because between technology and like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It, that- it was something so new. Well, and I thinking of the cost, you had to be fairly wealthy to get one of these or pretty like, 
I, that just entered my mind. Like, these were expensive. This was not for just anybody and everybody. No, because this isn't like just sitting for a regular picture. This is a special picture and he's charging way more. So, like, if you can barely afford a photograph of yourself, yeah. like, not for nothing, but you're going to save up and take a picture in case somebody in your family dies and you grab a postmortem before they pass because then yeah. you know for sure it's them. Mm-hmm. Wow. What an interesting, interesting man. Yeah, that's a good way of describing him. <laughs> I do think it's funny that they had P.T. Barnum come in and testify against him. I love that so much. <laughs> like, that is brilliant. And OK, remind me, because we've talked about so many that you know how they kind of start getting like jumbled in your brain. Yes. But wasn't it? The, now, I know it wasn't his hotel, but I think it was like his brothers at the Fox sisters were at. Yeah. And the, okay, that's I think it was I his thought. cousin. Was the, yeah. It was the Varnum Hotel. Okay. That's what I thought. Because I'm like, wait, there's a connection. It was the Fox sisters. Yes. Oh, that is brilliant. I wonder if he did a little dance and song like in Greatest Showman. <laughs> I mean, I doubt it, but it's nice to think about. <laughs> I know. I know. I just want a picture like that going on in the courtroom. <laughs> I know he really didn't, but like, I want to picture Hugh Jackman like flying in and dancing and singing and calling him a fraud. And, like, I mean, we could always make that an extra scene in the movie and have them uh, record it. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I feel like it's so inaccurate, but I love it so much. Oh, it's ridiculously inaccurate it in like 40 different ways. And it does not reflect the abuse nearly well enough for people who are outside society's norm. No. But the music is beautiful and it is. <laughs> I will use different songs to amp myself up before I give tours or something because it yes. is just so on point for the energy I need to present to be able to give a good tour. Oh my gosh, me too. Those are like some of my pump up songs. Like I will probably listen listen to one going to the dim today. <laughs> like, exactly. I know. Oh my goodness. Maybe another movie. <laughs> like throw this in. Like, yes. Well, I guess they could have included this in Greatest Showman. Y'all failed. Like, this would have been- I mean, not for nothing, but like they do it as a live performance a lot of times because it's technically a musical. Mm. All we need is someone doing a theatrical version to <laughs> fit in another scene. <laughs> that was so important to his life. <laughs> so crucial. <laughs> it's like such a blip, but I want it. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's because it's not a blip on other stories, but it was definitely no. a blip in his personal story. Yeah. Well, and and also going in on Mumler, like, he does, in the end, create something pretty revolutionary, but it's completely overshadowed. Exactly. Like, he literally changed the formatting of how events in society are reported via newspaper print. And right. we talk about the fraud of spirit photography rather than the fact that he absolutely revolutionized the industry. Well, that's what happens when you're a fraud. <laughs> Life lesson. Don't be a fraud for one other thing while you're trying to, like, impact history in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that day when he accidentally did the double negative, he was like, I, it was just, like, brilliant. Like, ooh, we can make money Light off bulb. of this. <laughs> I mean... Which make okay? Do you think he was ever a real believer then in spiritualism or spirits? I don't know. I find it hard to believe because mm-hmm. if you believe 
and you're willing to defraud people, that's a very special level of sociopath. I think so, too. I think so, too. I, yeah. I don't think he ever was. Because, I, 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 yeah, if you do believe and you want to be authentic, you're not going to go you're out. You're not going to fake it on purpose. No. No. That's also what makes me wonder about his wife. Like, she was a working medium when they were just friends, and it was her idea to keep moving things along. Oh. And so, like, was she a good medium or a BS medium? Like, was she at least authentically trying to help people and she thought this was a good idea? Right. Or was she on par with some of the mediums we hear about? See, that's a hard one because back then, not so much today, I don't think. I, today, it almost feels like you fall into the category of either like a fraud or at least you're real or try. Even if you're not the best, you're trying to be like real. Like yeah. it feels like a pretty strong line. But I don't I don't know, because back then you would have people that would start off as legit mediums, but they kept upping the stakes back then like you had to have you had to have physical mediumship you had to stuff had stuff flying through the air and wrappings so I think you see some people that were real that end up kind of going a fraudulent route and so that's what that's why with her I would lean more fraud but I don't know maybe she started off as plus back then so many people were just trying to jump on board exactly I mean that that's the difference in what I don't know. We may have that today, but I don't think as much as back then where you just had so many people like, oh, I could do this, too, to make money. So, yeah, either way, she turned into a bad medium. How about that? (laughs) If she went along with this by the end of the story, we definitely know not to trust her. Yeah, exactly. Seems like they just wanted the money to me. Agreed. I do love that he didn't lose his passion for photography, though, and he kept experimenting after he dropped spirit photography. Like, because that's what started him doing it was literally he was a hobbyist who was interested in the technology. Yeah. And I do kind of love that aspect of his personality because, like, he started by just wanting to be a photographer and understand the tech, found this accidentally, Mm -hmm. took a whole segue in his life (laughs) into fraud. And then when he dropped it, he's like, I'm going to experiment with some other stuff because I still like photography. Yeah. I think he just got sucked in and the money was good. Oh, yeah. The money was amazing. Yeah. Which happens. Yeah. Like you see a quick way to make a lot of money. And, and, and you know, I could see them being like, who are we hurting? We're helping people. We're giving them comfort. Like, we're, we're do- I could see you in your head being like, we're doing a good thing. We're bringing their loved ones back, even though we're really not. Yeah. Being able to rationalize it in your own mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, interesting. I'm glad we finally covered Mumler. Me too. I'm glad that I understand more about the details of his story because I was very snap judgy about him when I started this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's easy, especially what's in all the history books. It's very easy because they just go straight to the fraud, like exactly. instantly. And they use photographic evidence, literally, like you can see how bad they are. Yeah. Like we will share these all up and through the socials. But in the meantime, y'all like just Google Spirit yes. photography and Mumler, like, you will see so many ridiculous pictures. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, man. I remember we did that one. I have a few of those still in frames from when we did that at the museum. We did spiritualism. <laughs> like, I framed a bunch of them. And I forgot still about in, that. They're still in my frames here at the house because I just pull them out for Halloween. <laughs> now, like, 
To be fair, they're pretty glorious for Halloween decorations. They kind of are. I was like, should I take them out? But I'm like, nah, we can reuse them. It's fine. They're perfect. It's fine. They are creepy when the lights are turned down low and it's just candles around. They are kind of spooky then. That's valid. They work for the aesthetic. They do. I, it's so funny because you were saying to look them, like look up the pictures. I'm looking. Some of them aren't as bad as I remember, and some of them are. Like, uh, yeah, like when you picture them in your mind, some of them were actually pretty good if you actually look yeah. them up. But then some of them were worse than you remember too. Yeah, like the first ones probably because it's like the more famous ones. The first ones that pop yeah. up, I'm like, okay, that's not terrible. Like, yeah. The, the ones, though, that would get me if a husband is looking for his wife or vice or like a mother looking for their child, no matter if they've been gone, you're going to remember what they look like. So when they got the photo back, it's like, dude, like. The ones that are super blurry, too, I can kind of give the benefit of the doubt, too, because, yeah. like, you, you can't really tell for sure. You can't make out their features. Right. But when it's a very clear face, like, you could easily recognize somebody, like. Yes. Yeah. Um, No. Oh, I just found one that's a guy, and I think it's supposed to be, like, his wife or, like, at least a female, how they have a dress, and it is clearly a man's face. For anyone who wants to look it up, it's on the, uh, I think, San Francisco, because it's SF MoMA, so San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, um, and it's William J. Pierce spirit photograph from 1903, and it is... It's I'm hoping that was supposed to be like his dad or something. But why is he dressed like that? That is like, like my best guess. Honestly, it looks like a double overlay where like they have the drapey fabric to make it look ghostly. And then he also put the face in the middle of it before he double exposed. So bad. Let's see. I don't know if there's any. Oh, see, these are the ones I've seen that are just like, okay. So you know what? This is making mumblers actually look a lot better. Yeah. Some of them are catastrophic. Like these are awful. <laughs> Mumblers are looking pretty brilliant at this point now. After William J. Pierce was not was, a skilled, no, a skilled fraud at all. No. These are terrible. I'm sorry, Mumbler. We should have called out Pierce instead. Like, <laughs> yours actually looks semi legit. Like, oh my god! At least what comparatively is, speaking. What? Oh, bless him. Bless him. We may need to look him up next for like a little bonus episode. Like, <laughs> these are so bad. But yeah, that is the story of the origins of spirit photography and William Mumler. And then, of course, we obviously thank you for listening to us <laughs> wherever you're listening to us anyway. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review. Everybody yes. lets you let, leave the ratings and reviews now. So, like, please just leave us a little bit of a thing. And then, of course, you know, hit subscribe because that is also free. And that way you know when we release new episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as always, we want to hear from you. So let us know what you think about this episode, the spirit photographs, all that good <laughs> stuff. And if there are any other spirited topics you want us to explore in future episodes, you can always find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at Calling All Spirits Pod at gmail.com. And of course, Patreon, like we mentioned. And then, of course, if you want to try your hand at spirit photography to communicate with us, um, we will probably crack up again, depending on what your skill levels are for being able to fake the spirits <laughs> in the photograph. But realistically, once again, email is still probably your best bet. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, until next time, bye, everyone. Bye.